Thank you, Sharon, for reading about God's wrath and a list of sins. That's much needed on a rainy day. Sherlock Holmes and uh, his dear friend Watson went camping, and after a great meal, they sat down and uh, enjoyed the evening. Then they lay down for the night. Well, several hours later, uh, Holmes nudged his friend, woke him up. He said, Watson, look up at the sky. Tell me what you think. Watson replied, I see millions and millions of stars. And Watson said, well, from that, what, what does that tell you? And so Watson thought about it for a minute. Told this joke three years ago. Um, Watson thought about it for a minute. He said, well, you know, astronomically, it tells me that there are millions of galaxies, potentially billions of planets. Astrologically, I observe Saturn's in Leo, or logically, I deduce that time is approximately uh, quarter past three. Theologically, I can see that God is omnipotent, and we are small and insignificant creatures. Meteorologically, I, I can... I suspect that we're going to have a beautiful day tomorrow. Watson then said, what does it tell you, Dr. Holmes? Holmes was silent for a minute and then spoke, Watson, you meathead, somebody has stolen our tent. (laughs) So it's possible to be very educated, reasonable, and completely miss the entire point. And we ought not be among that. So the passage that we looked at this morning is part of the larger book of Romans, and so let me just frame that for you in the flow of things, because if you just get stuck in individual arguments along the way, you can miss the big picture. If you just focus in and don't see some of the stuff that's going to be really culminating in chapters 9 and 11, which we're a few weeks away from, you can put the emphasis in the wrong spot. So Paul is writing to a church in Rome. That's why it's called the book of Romans. Let me share with you this outline real quick. I meant to share this with you last week. This is really the, the generic outline that Paul has for every letter. We covered a bunch of this last week, and now we're into uh, the fourth point of this. For the love of everything holy, stop being stupid, right? Like that's what it seems like Paul has in most of his letters. It was a joke. I thought, um, I didn't make that slide, but uh, I thought that was just, I thought it was funny. So um, the argument, don't cross your legs. Um, The arguments start. Paul is a lawyer. He's a Jewish man. He's a Pharisee. He knows the the law of God. And so, yes, he's a Christian, but he starts as he's writing to Jews and Gentiles in the, in the Roman church, people who have had the covenant, who are Abraham's offspring, who have so much um, history and background, and then Greeks, just non, non-Jews, basically, that's a Gentile for you, who do not have the law of God. Paul's writing to them both, and he starts with a discussion that really levels, it's a leveling argument. He brings down the playing field, and so... He starts Romans with arguments grounded in experience, just generally everybody. Then he goes to arguments based in Scripture, Old Testament Scripture, and then he gets to some practical arguments, if you want to call it, or practical results of what has preceded. And a lot of us like chapters 12 through the end of the chapter. It's so practical, right? Well, there's good thought behind that. And so, 
we have some stinking thinking that Paul says needs to get fixed up. So what we talked about last week with the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, what we talked about with living by faith and the obedience that comes from faith, then we come to the wrath of God. We come to a list of sins. Not, not the only time in the New Testament that there is a list, but this is one of the longer ones. Well, there's good news. That's what gospel means. But there's only good news because there is bad news. And so Paul starts by saying God is an equal opportunity savior. Jews and Greeks, male, female, slave free, regardless of previous sin, regardless of rejecting God. We all start at this level. And and part of that level is this, this heavens declare the glory of God. Verse 20 says, since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, not not. Everything about him. There is one way to heaven. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except me. But his divine power, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen. The heavens declare the glory of God. I'm just trying to think, what examples can we have of that? Um, Well, we have every day a sunrise and a sunset. How many of you, maybe you've never thought of this before, um, but we, we want to be a church that thinks. How many of you like sunrise more than sunset? Really, they do the same thing in, in a way. Color. So sunrise, how many of you like sunrise? How many of you like sunset more? Okay, it probably depends on the view that you have from your house, or if you're a morning person, um, possibly. We had a humdinger of a sunrise. What was that yesterday morning or Friday morning? Yes, I said humdinger. I am I'm old. Um, God... His is revealing himself. And Paul would say, the root problem isn't ignorance, it's suppression of knowledge. It's, it's the light that we've already been given that we like to squish that down. Verse 22, he says, although they, be, they claim to be wise, they became fools. Like Watson's observations of the stars in the sky, people in the world right now are making some very keen observations. And it's not that they're totally wrong when it comes to, to what's going on with people, what's going on in the world. It's that they miss major, practical, personal application. Sin is entrenched in our hearts. And so we have to deal with that. Someone said, for every complex problem, there is an answer that is clear, simple, and it's wrong. We're we're struggling with lots of things in the world, and so we think, you know, what I need is more entertainment. What I need is to to be um, anesthetized more, to be numbed more. So if I can just be distracted, it's a very simple solution I mean, think about like if, if the roof on your house was leaking this morning or if your car is making noise, just turn up the radio. Like nothing wrong with my car doesn't make a terrible noise. I just turn up the sound system because if I can be distracted from it, maybe it's not there. Well, that's a clear, simple, and wrong solution to the complex stuff of our heart. So Paul says here that you know, obviously sin is a problem. But it's more than just, it's more than just, hey, sin is a debt to be repaid. Now, he'll use that as, as a way of talking about sin. 
that, that the wages of sin, he'll, he'll talk about it as a debt that needs to be repaid. But it's not just when you, you borrow $10 from God and then, well, I better pay him back $10. It's that sin messes with you along the way. It deceives you. It distorts you. It's not just, oh, we spilled a little water on the carpet. That'll dry up. It'll be fine. It's that sin is a flood that comes into your house and gets into the walls and causes mold and mildew and rot. And so we need to, we need to have God fix our, our distorted minds. Suppressing the truth about God is one of the ways that we rationalize unrighteous behavior. I'm sure none of you rationalize. I'm sure none of you talk yourselves into, this is fine, this is fine. So in this, you know, in this section that seems like the bad news, and I, there's no walking around it, right? Like this section of Romans is not what you invited your friend to church today to hear, right? Like this is the, this is the somber news, the list of sin. Like in some sins in me, oh, I don't wish we wouldn't have said that one today. I thought we already talked about sex this month, right? But within this, we see the goodness of God, friends. Within this, if God does not let us choose him, if he does not let us go our own way, what kind of God is he? What kind of world is this that we're just programmed dummies who have to respond to him? No, we live in a world where grace is free and grace is extended to us and grace is given to people who don't deserve it. Thank goodness. But not everybody does something with the light that they are given. And so three times in verse 24, 26, 28, it says, well, first of all, so it says God gave them over. But first of all, you've got to notice the word in verse 24. This is Bible reading 101. When you see the word therefore, look what it's there for. So he has said something. Like, he said something about God's general revelation, his grace upon people. Therefore, God gave them over. God gave them over. As a parent, I really hope, if, if, if you're not a parent right now or going to be one someday, or if you are a parent right now, so if you're a parent right now, I really hope you hang around other parents and their kids so you can see how much better your kids are than theirs. No, no, no. Um, you, you hang around other parents so you can feel terrible about how you parent. No, 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 no. Um, hang around other parents. Okay, so we, we say when we dedicate children at this church, we say that we promise never to judge but to pray for them to succeed as parents. We get a little glimpse of people's parenting at times, and so why jump to judgments there? Of course, we encourage one another. I hope you're in small groups with people who you can see parenting because you can learn from each other. That's, that's really what I want to say, is when you hang out with other parents, you can learn from each other. I love that. Um, I love learning from other parents. Uh, my, one of my brothers, a uh, great dad, he came to our house in July, and uh, one of his sons, one of my nephews, uh, did not bring a sweatshirt. Because it's July, 
but my brother told him, you're going to need a sweatshirt, if not for the cold at night, for the mosquitoes that will draw your blood. You're going to want long sleeves. And so he told his son, I don't know how many times I wasn't there, before they left, hey, you got to pack. He's old enough to pack his own bags, and he does not bring a sweatshirt to Sault Ste. Marie. Well, it's July. That doesn't mean it's going to be warm at night. And sure enough, it's cold at night. And I see my nephew running around with, um, with, and he's cold. And his dad says, I told you to pack a sweatshirt. And I'm just looking at this going, man, this is my brother. He was a jerk when I was young, and now he's a jerk when I'm old. <laughs> right? No, no, no. I, I, I said to him, like, Jason, why? Oh, my dad's going to listen to this podcast. He was there. Um, like, Jason, what are you doing? Like, the, he needs a sweatshirt. He says, don't give him a sweatshirt. <laughs> yeah, we got tons of sweatshirts. We're, you know, we live in Sault Ste. Marie. Like, you got long sleeves. He says, I told him he needs to pack. So my brother, you could say, permitted his son to get all these mosquito bites. Not true. I gave my nephew a sweatshirt because, I, I don't know, I guess I wanted to be a jerk to my brother, kind of. Um, <laughs> just usurp him a little bit. So if... Maybe you don't agree that, the, that it's okay to let your kids have consequences. You're wrong, but you don't agree. That's fine. Um, if God is our Father, what if sometimes his wrath upon us is not the lightning bolts from heaven that he sends down? Um, what if that's only a smaller percentage of his wrath than we might think it is? What if God giving us over and saying, fine, and so verses 24, 26, 28 says, God gave them over to the sinful desires of their heart. God gave them over to shameful lust, verse 26. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. Because if your mind's messed up, you're not going to do what is right. And so God, as a father who's loving, God's wrath, what if his wrath is actually his faithfulness to his covenant with his people? Paul's writing this as a Jewish believer. He knows that God has been faithful to the covenant and that sometimes his wrath has been poured out. Like, the like a parent's discipline of a child. Now, this does not mean God actively sins, right? I told you that James is wonderful to read alongside Romans. Let me read James uh, 1, 13 through 17. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. And then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown... Sin gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. James continues, verse 17. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. So God lets us undergo the effects of of our forgetfulness 
of who he is. And so he lists some things. You know, verses 26, 27 are about as clear of a condemnation of homosexual and lesbian behavior as exists in the New Testament. You're a smart person. You don't have to be distracted by some of the the stuff that's in this list. Let's keep a, a, a picture of the bigger argument, but let's not try and do some mental gymnastics or scriptural gymnastics to take this out. This is here. Um, this, this is in the list of sins. We talked about sex earlier this month, and, and here's, here's one, of our, one of our sections of Scripture. And you can, you can argue with it, but it's the Scripture. And we believe that if we're going to change as a people, we're going to commit ourselves to the truth of God. And so unless you can look at the Scripture and see something that we don't see here, this is in the list. But also in the list is things that... Um, I, I, I don't know who could be excluded. They're filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice, gossip, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful, invent ways of doing evil, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Is anybody here exempt from that list? I mean, even just the, um, I hate to say I love it, but in this list, I love, he says, they invent ways of doing evil. I mean, you don't have to look any further than the latest TikTok challenge, right? Like, pour Mountain Dew in a raccoon's ear and drink it. Like, this is the, this is the invention of doing evil. Google Florida man and your birth date and see what a Florida man did on your birth date. Mine is the man was arrested for throwing sausages at his mother, right? Like, you, we invent ways of doing evil because of the depravity of our mind, but what if our minds could be renewed and we could be inspired? We could invent ways of doing good. We invent ways of doing evil. You know, immigration is an issue that our, our, our country needs to deal with. Immigrants are people, though. And if we just make it an issue, we will do things like ship people deceiving them, putting them on buses or planes, and acts of performative cruelty. We invent ways of doing evil. Disobey our parents. C.S. Lewis says, a cold, self-righteous prig who goes to church regularly may be far nearer to hell than a prostitute, but of course it's better to be neither. We look at the list, right? Like Paul is talking to people he's never met before and he gets very intensely um, personal with them. He's talking about what they're doing in their bedroom. Like, wow, you haven't even met me, Paul. And you're talking about that stuff. But he talks even deeper than that. Insolent, arrogant, boastful. It's so much easier for us as a church to just you know, yell at those big loud sins that we don't like rather than look at some of these so difficult things that may be going on inside of us. It is very possible to be educated, reasonable, and miss the whole point. When was the last time that you sought God for him to root out sin in your life? And came before him and just said, God, 
I must be cleansed. And sometimes we say, God, I surrender to you because I really need some money. God, I surrender to you because I really need some healing. God, I surrender to you because, right, like that's the coin I need to put into the God vending machine if I want some good things in life. But what if we would come before him and say, God, I, I need your truth in my mind. Paul will go on to say in Romans 12, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God has poured out grace upon us. Grace is power given that enables a person to choose the good. Now, it doesn't mean it forces you to do something. That would be coercion. It's not grace. There are moments of grace where grace is overwhelming. And I pray that this morning could be one of those moments where you find it hard to resist the grace of God. Because friends, it's a very level playing field before the cross of Jesus Christ. Preview of, of Romans chapter 2 verse 11, God does not show favoritism. I, I don't care what your spiritual pedigree is where you came from or whatever, the, the ground before the cross is level. All have sinned. Oh, I'm skipping ahead in Romans. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified freely by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so his grace is extended. You can... I, you, don't, you don't have to say yes to it. Um, it, grace is not normally seen as, as some force that predetermines how you're going to use the grace that's given. Some people are given grace and they spend it on themselves. Some people who are, who are I mean, my, my father-in-law used to say, even once in a while, every once in a while, even a blind squirrel finds a nut. Even people who are lost in sin and, and reject him can still do something ethical once in a while. I mean, it, yeah, it happens. But what are you going to do with the grace that God has extended? His, his law is there to protect us. Yeah, you see, a, um, I think particularly about one I saw that was unbelievable, a, a fence around a yard. Is it there to keep bad stuff out or good things in? Yes. God's law is, is that way with us. And so what kind of God would he be if he did not tell us the truth? So to end our service today, I thought we would we'd sit before the Lord and um, commit ourselves to him that he would purify us, that his definition, because we may have just a whole set of rationale about what, what he's supposed to do next in our life, and God, I thought you would fix this next. He's God. You realize when we pray that we're not just saying words into the air, thinking thoughts that we're appealing to the creator of the universe who's Eternal power and divine nature are clearly seen. So let's pray to him and ask him to purify and to cleanse deep, deep within.